Hello, brothers and sisters. It is the Remnant Warrior here to tell you guys about another absolutely amazing way for you to get exclusive access to documentaries, audio and ebooks, and exclusive episodes of our brand new monthly subscription only podcast with myself, John, and Jeremy from By Their Fruits and a different special guest host each month. And best of all, you, the subscribers, get to vote and choose on the topic that we discuss in the episodes each month. You get all of this as well as the same access to the almost 200 episodes, books, and documentaries that you already have access to for only $2.99 a month. Now, we have a library of over 250 documentaries, ebooks, and audiobooks that we will be uploading to our subscriber only content each month you will not only get access to absolutely amazing content but you will also be helping this ministry to continue to spread the good news of the gospel of the kingdom to over 70 nations around the world that currently listen to the programs and Bible studies on Kingdom Productions Network. So guys, please pray about becoming a monthly subscriber. It's only $2.99 a month. That's less than a latte at Starbucks. So I hope you guys will sincerely think about helping us out and I love each and every one of you may God bless you all grace and peace hello brothers and sisters this is the remnant warrior and you are now listening to buy their fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network. By their fruits, you shall know them. By, 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 by their fruits. fruits you shall know them welcome to buy their fruits i am your host jeremy stone and i am here with my co-host john brisson how you doing buddy i'm doing well jeremy hope you're doing well and everybody listening out there is um 
is 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 uh doing as well as you possibly can. Uh, God has showed His grace by giving us a uh, another day here on this earth. And if you're listening, you're 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 breathing air. So at least it's a positive with all the troubling events that are happening out in the world. You know, cling to God. Um, you know, we all have our moments, but uh, we definitely uh, need God. Without Him, we would be lost. So. Amen. Yeah, and that brings me up to the small announcement I wanted to make is uh, Jeremy Anderson and I made a small uh, made a a show. Uh, it was the last one that was posted to Spotify, and it talks about what my family and I have been through the last three years and ways that you can try to help us because we're like everybody else. We're struggling and we're in a pretty serious position, um, but we're just relying on God and the body of Christ to to uh, uplift us and help us in any way that they can, like they're supposed to. So uh, that's the only announcement I wanted to make. Uh, so for now, we're going to start off with my wife, Felicia's testimony and story of how she went undercover. Because uh, the topic today, we're talking about abortion and uh, the abortion cartel. And that's going to be the title of this show, which is pretty sweet. So uh, go ahead, baby. Wherever you want to start, you can start so this um this starts in one of my dreams that I have because I have uh, here and there I'll have prophetic dreams um, as the Lord wills. So in this dream, um, basically, it was kind of like a underground lab, and I saw a bunch of babies and kind of like incubators, but they were underwater. So that you know, God was showing me that that meant like in the womb, and then this doctor was coming in and he was going to every single um, baby, right? And then he had my baby. I was actually um, pregnant at the time. I was um, third trimester already. I was two weeks from my um, due date. And in the dream, he had my baby and he was taking my baby to the to some office. And I was trying to, you know, chase him down. And then he, uh, God said in my dream, he said, stop. In an audible voice, he said, stop. He said, turn around and look at what, what's really going on. And then he started showing me, um, you know, what was going on in the abortion clinics, uh, late-term abortion clinics, which I didn't even know that existed um, until I heard it in the dream. And then when I woke up, uh, as I was waking, God said really loud, he told me um, to go undercover and expose the enemy. And so when I woke up, I'm like, okay, let's, let's take a second to think about this. And I said, please, Lord, just show me like what to do, because I don't know what you want me to do with this dream, because uh, it, it was very vivid. And God was very specific on what he wanted me to do. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to get a camera, an undercover camera. Like, I've never even been in an abortion clinic. Um, so I called my friend Grace, and she prayed with me about it to see what to do. And then we hung up. And then a couple minutes later, she called me back, and she said, I actually have two friends of mine who, um, I guess, they're from Abortion Free New Mexico. That's um, their ministry. And they came from California. And she can tell you more about that when she um, starts talking, but she said they've been praying for someone to go undercover, you know, late term. Um, so I said, cool, let's do it. So we met up and the vision that I saw um, when I was praying um, a couple of days later about it was uh, them two sitting at a table with a bunch of cameras. So when I show up to Grace's house, but in terror there, there is the table and there's a bunch of cameras. I was like, okay, this is going down. Um, it was pretty amazing to see um, how God works. And uh, we went, was it two days later, Tara? Yes, it was very quick. Yeah, two days later, we went in, they set me up. Um, basically, it was a, a button. And then behind the button was uh, the camera. So I had a shirt that matched the buttons and everything. So I sewed the button on, we put the camera on. 
um, the day before I actually called Marcy May and I wanted to know if she had, you know, any questions that I should ask or any knowledge that she wanted me to know. Cause I didn't want to go in with a dialogue. Like I said, I never had been into an abortion clinic before, but I wanted to see what type of stuff that I could get out of them. So I spoke with Marcy and then Bud and Tara kind of went over with me what to do. Um, so I went with my sister as support because I thought, you know, a lot of people probably bring uh, their support with them, women, because, you know, it's a scary thing. Um, so, yes, I was 38 weeks, um, full belly. I'm walking in. I wanted it to be real, as real as I could make it. So when I walk in, like right away, everyone's looking at me and I felt shame. And I don't know why, but I felt shame. And as soon as I walked in, there was this you know, dead silence in there. And it was heavy, like spiritually, I could feel it. Um, there was a couple in there who were, she wasn't showing it, but she had a wristband kind of like a, like the hospital gives you. And then there was another couple. She was probably about seven months. She was already laboring. She was in crying. She was, she was in pain. She was crying and her mother and father were there helping her to cope with the pain. Um, and then when I look inside, it's kind of like a like a bank where they have, you know, the plexiglass. And I didn't know how to approach them. Like, what do you say, you know, when you go into a place like that? So I walk up and I'm like, hi, cause it's so quiet. Uh, can you, can I talk to you guys? And they're like, yeah, how can I help you? And I said, like, I don't want to ask for an abortion like that. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, I don't know how these women would do that, but um, maybe they call ahead of time. But I said, can I talk to someone like privately? Cause it, you know, where I was, everyone could hear what I was going to say. So they called me to the back and I said, um, my situation, which was true. I, I, like I said, yesterday's show, my baby had a fetal anomaly, according to what the doctors were saying. And according to, um, Southwestern women's options, which was a late term abortion clinic I was at, they were willing to do that based off a handicap. So they took me to the back room after um, <clears throat> a couple minutes. I was speaking with her. She didn't want to open up with me about anything that would happen before she told, talked with her director. So I waited in there for about 30 minutes. They didn't let my sister come back with me anyways. Um, so I was by myself, which is, you know, they want to pressure you, obviously. And then about 30 minutes later, like I said, she came back in. Her director said yes to the abortion but I didn't sign any paperwork yet. Um, after that, she was um, like an open book. She told me exactly what was gonna happen. Um, basically they would um, gave um, my baby a lethal injection vaginally or through the stomach. And uh, I could let Tara tell you, um, actually I'll, I'll give it to Tara so she could tell you exactly what happens because my, my memory's a little fogged. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you made some interesting points. I think it it is very interesting to just reiterate that they completely isolated you from the person, mm -hmm. the support person that you brought. And so um, thankfully, we were able to record the interaction. Um, but essentially, I mean, abortion facilities are businesses and their purpose is to make money. And so they sell abortions and they want you to feel completely at ease with having the abortion and 
Um, you know, it just so happened that you're in the third trimester, so you're able to get a bit more information about how they do the procedure, the injection, the fact that when you do the, this late of an abortion, you know, they kill the baby on the first day and then you go the next two to three days around town with a dead child in your womb until they induce labor. And so, um, you know, it really is childbirth, but you, your baby is dead. It's a stillbirth. And so, um, it's not any safer, so to speak, than childbirth. You know, that's what the pro-abortion uh, community will tell you. Oh, abortion is safer than childbirth. But with a third trimester abortion, it is childbirth. And so it's just that your baby's coming out dead after they've been dead for several days in the womb. And so, um, you know, they talk to you about how to get Medicaid. Of course, New Mexico is one of like 17 states where Medicaid fully funds abortions because of a court order. And so that gives even gives women even more incentive to just go ahead and go through with the abortion because they don't have to pay a dime. Uh, state taxpayers are paying for that. And so, um, you know, it's interesting the referral that she gave you uh, to get Medicaid and you could get emergency Medicaid that very day. Um, and you know, it's all just fast, fast, fast. They want to make the sale. They want to close the deal. And, um, you know, another interesting thing though, was that they told you, if you remember Felicia, that they would do the injection, um, alone for $5,000 and then just let you go and ask your OBGYN to finish the abortion and wow. like pretty much just send you out to the streets to, I don't know. I mean, your body's not going to be ready to deliver that baby because your womb is closed. That's why on the second, third and fourth day, they're literally artificially dilating the woman's cervix so that she can go into labor on the final day. And so, you know, it's very interesting. They're just trying to do um, whatever they can to make that money. And that's really what motivates and drives them. They say that they care about women and that we hear that so much, but um, you know, what kind of a woman kills her child and think about the trauma that that woman goes through, uh, mm -hmm. in the moment and for the rest of her life, knowing what she did. And so, um, yeah, I think it was, it was very telling all the information that you're able to get. And I think the ending of the story you should share Felicia, cause that was the most powerful, the outcome, you know, you went in there believing that your baby had a fetal anomaly, um, you know, some kind of handicap. And, you know, um, we obviously believe that no matter what the situation is, no matter what your handicap is, no matter how you're conceived, every life is a beautiful gift. Amen. And so, um, you know, it's just interesting that you went in with this information. Um, but I'll let you finish the story because that's, that's the silver lining of it all. I just want to uh, say something, uh, that a lot of people don't understand that abortion isn't medically necessary, especially today. You know, an ectopic pregnancy isn't an abortion uh, because they're just removing, the baby would die anyways, or you would die. Um, that's uh, completely separate, but an actual abortion isn't medically necessary because, you know, if they're going to do it, it's mostly in the late term where they want to do uh, these type of, you know, late term abortions. Um, it takes uh, three days. It could take a little longer, like Tara was saying, up to four days. Um, and the baby might not even die. Uh, they might have to do another injection, which is $5,000 more. Um, but the thing about that too is, um, you know, if if it was a life or death situation and this late-term abortion takes one to three days or one to four days, she would die before she even got her abortion. So it makes no sense. Um, but yeah, uh, I think they kind of caught on to me the next day. So I guess I had to get um, 
someone had died. Keisha died uh, that year. Was it February? Yes, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, she she died from Southwestern Women's Options. Um, I don't know, Mar Marcy, did you want to touch on that? Yeah. Um, so Keisha Atkins, and I don't have the the whole timeline of the story. Um, she went to go get a late term abortion, and Tara, you can help me out on things that I'm missing. So um, she was 23 years old. Uh, went to get a late term abortion. Was having complications. And uh, they kept on putting her off and putting her off. Finally, when she, she gets into there, they, uh, they basically she had sepsis of what was going on. And uh, they didn't want to admit her to the hospital um, because if they, they would have to send her by ambulance. And this is like their big, big thing that they are so afraid of. They don't want any publicity of of any bad news uh and this is something that's very typical of these abortion clinics um and it doesn't matter like what what level you're at as soon as they get their money they're off the hook and they don't care what happens to the woman or the young lady who goes through an abortion um if she has you know um you know ruptured uterus or or any kind of other problems emotional problems their job is done because their their bill is paid uh, it is a money-making business, um, and and the the mom was trying to get help, um, and they were just they were giving her the runaround. Uh, another part of the problem with especially Dr. Boyd's office is that um, the city has neg negated, neglected to um, inspect his clinic. They keep on they there have been requests demands. And somehow they escape inspection. So that's fishy. Yeah, that's a, it's a filthy clinic. Uh, if you ever watched uh, the deposition of Dr. Boyd, he is out of his mind, and he's such a creep. I I don't even know why a woman would even go into a, a building. Now he's not performing these, but he he was, you know, he he used to be a minister, and, and if I don't know if you guys knew that. But he was a practicing minister, and he was saying that he is doing abortions because he feels called by God to. Oh, I mean, my head. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Ugh. So when we, we have to have the fear of God, no matter where we're at, because, you know, if for the grace of God, there we would go. We would excuse our sin for anything. But um, so this poor young girl finally goes, um, and I, I don't know if I'm missing any other of uh, the information, Tara, if you can help me out. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, it was a needless, a needless abortion for needless death. And, and just what a, what a horrible mark on our city. What a horrible mark on this beautiful young life that could have been saved. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think you oh, covered a lot. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I thought John was still here, but he just left. Uh, but go on. Sorry about that. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it's really sad, you know, just touching on the point that, you know, they supposedly care about women and that's why they're willing to kill their children for them. But Keisha, I think, sat there in the office for like 11 hours and she was saying, I can't breathe, you wow. know, like she could probably feel her body shutting down. And then by the time she got to UNM hospital, she had a cardiac arrest event. And so they were just not able to bring her back. And so, 
Um, you know, and in fact, you know, she did have a late term abortion, but she was only, only 24 weeks pregnant. So that's six months. Typically, um, at Southwestern women's options, they were until recently going all the way up to 32 weeks electively and beyond that on a case by case basis. And so, you know, we're talking about Keisha. She was young, she was healthy mm -hmm. when she went into that abortion facility. Um, and she was six months pregnant, which, you know, is the baby could be viable at that point. Um, and she tragically, you know, lost her life and obviously the baby died too. And now her mom is left, you know, with no child, no grandchild. And so it's just a tragedy all the way around. Now, was there any, um, prosecution or like, did they, somebody try to sue, did her mom try to sue after this? And where did yeah, that go? Yeah. Um, the family I, did sue and they got like $900,000 out of the lawsuit, didn't they, Marcy? It's, it's around that. I don't remember the exact amount, but um, it was the biggest thing was that it was saying these guys were acting in neglect. Um, and the thing that we also um, we we need to make sure that people remember is that um, Pat Davis is, he's the city councilor for that district, right? And um, our, the city councilors, even the one Trudy Jones, who's in my district, who was the so-called conservative, also voted for uh, pro-abortion measures, just unreal, undis unbelievably disgusting that um, the NAOI, they're getting Planned Parenthood money. It, it's just, it. I can't believe that, that this is happening, but it is. And so, you know, I know we have somebody else who's who's going to be running because Trudy Jones, you know, she took her money because she's getting done to step out. But we have we have another uh, candidate. I don't know if he's um, announced it, but, he, you know, he's um, and he's like, I will not go back on my pro-life promises. So that's a good that's a that's an answer to prayer. But I'll tell you, um, Planned Parenthood's pockets are deep. And uh, they, they're all in cahoots with our schools to get these kids hypersexualized. Because you know what? If you, if you, get, a, if you get kids hypersexualized, they're going to have sex. And the product is a baby. Yep. There's no way around it. And, but you know what? They got their quote-unquote solution for the problem. And uh, it's a gravy train for them. Yeah, this is really um, a, a godless state. It really is. It's mm -hmm. absolutely godless. And we were talking about last night on the show that we did uh, with John and my wife. We were talking about how even like the Roe versus Wade thing, like that's good that they essentially decriminalize abortion. You know, I know that states have the power to choose, but it's not going to change anything unless the heart of a man, a heart of a person changes. You know, Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to change that, because in reality, it's not a legal problem. It's a heart problem. Mm -hmm. You know, and our and our culture is already so manipulated and brainwashed into thinking that abortion is okay. You know what I mean? Like people are rioting about how women should have the right to abort their baby, kill their baby. It's just sickening. It's just you know, it's wild. And yeah. back to the the case uh, with for Keisha, um, didn't our tax dollars pay for that? By the way. I don't, I don't recall if she had New Mexico Medicaid or not, to be honest, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, most, I mean, most New Mexicans are on uh, Medicaid. So, 
I don't know the exact statistics, but I would not be surprised at all if that was taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. um, and then the money yeah. that was that she got, uh, the mother got from suing, didn't um, our tax dollars pay that also? Well, yeah. the interesting thing is, is that Curtis Boyd was sued and I think he paid out $900,000, but then UNM actually referred Keisha to uh southwestern women's options um also is which is owned by curtis boyd and so they had a payout as well for the referral so i think they may have paid out oh i maybe like two or three hundred thousand dollars more so wow. that i mean coming from a tax-funded institution maybe i don't know where their legal monies come from but you know it is very concerning what's happening at the university of new mexico we've always called them the heart of the abortion cartel in New Mexico just because of how deeply entrenched um, the abortion agenda is. And so um, they're very much involved in trying to train um, and indoctrinate the next generation of doctors, not mm -hmm. just OBGYN doctors, but they will, they, they push heavily for all doctors to get trained to do abortions because they want that next generation of provider to do abortions in their own private practice. And so um, it's very, very deeply entrenched. It's very disturbing because again, it is the, it's the, what is it? The only level one trauma center in the Four Corners area. And it's a teaching hospital and university and they're killing children every single day up to six months of pregnancy at a freestanding clinic. And then in the hospital, they'll even do them later than that. Wow. Now, Oh, go on. Um, I was just going to say, um, you know, a personal kind of a, a personal note. Uh, one of our one of our friends' uh, daughters uh, became a doctor from over there, and uh, same kind of thing. They just indoctrinate them, uh, and and they are radicalized. You know, she's you know all of, all about abortion, all about Black Lives Matter, all about this stuff. Um, there is something very, very wrong going over at UNM. Uh, we know of at least two young ladies who went to, through the nursing program who uh, came out saying that they were, they identified as men. Uh, one of them lost, uh, left her family, husband and two children. Uh, this is what is going on at UNM. It's disgusting. Uh, my opinion is, or the way I describe it is we have a, a bunch of angry uh, lesbian women who hate men who are really trying to snuff out the life and and just destroy these lives of these women because you know they're under tremendous tremendous pressure to study and and, and get the good grade um, and you know I, I mean I went to UNM uh, I I tell them all the time I said I'm ashamed to be that that is my alma mater and uh, you know so when women are going through school it's such a, a very hard uh, you know, course of study and, you know, you're going through your menses, you're getting all this stuff and, and they're offering them, them testosterone. Oh, what does that do? It, it starts wow. that, that hormone therapy. Uh, and because they're like, Oh, I'm crying all the time. Well, here, just take this. Um, and this is not just at UNM. This is across the nation that, that this is what they're doing to our young women to masculinize them and then effeminate the man. Um, it's it's a horrible horrible way of treating people. Um, UNM is deserves not one penny of our, our tax dollars because they're destroying the lives. And of course, this next 
The next thing with the hormone treatment and gender affirming care, this is what they're pushing, but it's all to kill and, and maim and keep children from being born. It's, I mean, it's really a, a messed up um, agenda. Yeah. So what's interesting is that um, a lot of this goes back to having a, it, it all has a spiritual origin. I remember right. um, looking into theosophy and Alice Bailey and, and Helena Blavatsky and uh, which is a secret society that started in the 1800s who uh, really influenced the world with their occult practices and, and um, you know, their, their perception on things. And even the United Nations, they printed material from the United Na for the United Nations and they named their publishing um, company Lucifer Trust. And then it was changed some years later to Lucas Trust. But Alice Bailey in her writings talks about um, how like 10 point plan for a, a new world order and what you need to do to a country to, uh, you know, destroy it and make that happen, especially in the West. And if you look at her 10 point plan, almost everything that she said on there um, has come to pass. And a couple of them include destroying the, the, the traditional family structure and making abortion legal, you know, and that was in the, by the time she wrote that, it was in 1947, I think, before she died, uh, could mm -hmm. be wrong, could be 46, but, you know, her influence on the world in the West, especially in the United Nations, and now we see that coming to fruition, and, you know, like I said, if you look at the 10-point plan, and what her goals, or what the government's goals are supposed to be, she, they've nailed every single one of them, and then you can mm -hmm. see the state of our culture, you know, uh, homosexuality is legalized, destroying the family structure. Abortion is legalized, the family destroying the family structure, and all these different things. And like the occult practices are looked at as art, and like all this different stuff. But um, you know, even Margaret Sanger and uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys go into that because I'm sure you guys obviously know who Margaret Sanger is. But if you want to get into the uh, one of the most av uh, most um, what's the word? Rabid. Yeah, <laughs> rabid uh, proponents of abortion uh, and. She was obviously clearly racist, but uh, yeah. Do you guys want to get into Margaret Sanger for a second? Whoever wants to go, that's fine. Um. So Margaret Sanger was the um uh, was the head of Planned Parenthood. She founded Planned Parenthood. Uh, I was just talking to a couple other people about her. Uh, she she loved Hitler. She was writing letters to him, but she was a little too radical for him. Um. I don't know if you guys Ironic. know that 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 was from uh one of uh Dinesh D'Souza's movies. Um, you know, she said the most um, generous thing that a, a large family should can do to the youngest of its members is to kill it. Um, again, a very personal story. Um, I heard this from my my siblings. So my mother came from a family of fifteen. Um, I knew that one of the um, older older siblings had died from a car accident or some kind something like that. But the youngest one had died in just a few days. Um, there was always this, oh, I guess that this is what happened. Well, my sisters, uh, we were talking um, back in 2012, and it's and I, I, it pains me to say this, but um, they brought that young baby home, and um, they, let, they let the baby die on the kitchen table without feeding it. Margaret Sanger's heinous disdain for life influenced my family to do this and uh you have to understand because my family uh those siblings are they're not saved and, and there was this kind of macabre like fascination like ooh, 
And I was like, what? Why is this fascinating? This is this is heinous. But this that's what when you when you have somebody with that much influence in a society, uh, it should really behoove us to really shine the the light of God. I, I I will I will not by God's grace ever be quiet on this topic because these are human lives and um but this is who who she was. Uh, Margaret Singer was an evil lady. She hated blacks. And if you and you can even look in in the Planned Parenthood information, but they they target the minority neighborhoods um, because they're racist. <laughs> you know they don't want the uh, and they don't want minorities to have have a hold, um, and so they they put it like you know it's like how do you make uh, their their thinking is you know how do you uh, give a cat a treat and you do all these things to make them you know act like it's uh, a fun thing, uh, but how do you do it with a dog? You make them beg for it, and so they they put themselves out as as a service a you know of the upper echelons. Um, and, and people, they, when they see that, or they hear that people are trying to say, don't have, don't, you know, perform abortions. Um, there's something inside of us that rises up and says, you can't make me not have an abortion. And then they begin to demand it because that's the human nature. Um, I just want to reiterate it. It's not, it's not a comparison of anyone being, uh, it, abortion denigrates people. And it, it brings out the, you know, when you hear women who are, who see the, the possibility of abortion being taken away, they, they go nuts because they, they are, they believe that that's their right um, without the humanity of, of that baby ever being discussed. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, you know, Margaret Sanger, she actually, before she started Planned Parenthood, she actually started the Birth Control League. And so that was her her initial project. And so I think it'd be important for the listeners to just think about the fact that birth control is like the first step towards abortion. Um, you know, so many people, even Christians are like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm okay with birth control. Like, you know, in order to prevent abortions, women should be on birth control. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, what birth control does is it starts a mentality of like, oh, I don't want kids yet. I want to ha- I want to do these behaviors that will produce children, but I want this fail safe that, you know, if I should get pregnant or, you know, if I do something risky or, you know, the what ifs, then, oh, I'm on birth control and I'm safe, you know? And so it really is when you talk about the abortion industry, the abortion cartel, um, birth control is one of those things that, you know, they want women to be on because birth control is not a hundred percent effective. Uh, about 60, maybe even more percent of women that actually get abortions were on mm-hmm. some form of, of birth control. And so right. I just think it's interesting that, you know, Margaret Sanger started with the birth control league. Yes, her whole mentality is rooted in eugenics, um, you know, and she hates the minority. She hates that poor women were having so many children. And so she really worked to change the mentality and the culture. And then came Planned Parenthood, which sounds so... Um, 
you know, I can't think of the right word, but so innocent, you know, like, oh, this place is going to help us plan our parenthood. No, it's like, it's the opposite. They want to stop parenthood. And that's why they give women birth control. They give plan B and then, you know, what, and then, you know, if those things don't work, then it's an abortion because they've already ingrained in the woman's mind or she's already made up her mind that she doesn't want a child. And that's inevitably what is present when a woman's pregnant when a woman is pregnant she's a mother and what's done is done we should never in our culture accept or promote a mentality that at any point during a pregnancy even pre-pregnancy that children are not blessings and i think that's a major problem in our culture that we're seeing today yeah, and man. we have been for many years right yeah isn't it i think my wife was telling me that uh we've been the new mexico has been the leader in late-term abortion since like the 70s Mm -hmm. like uh, well that, new mexico, yeah actually new mexico had a criminal abortion statute from 1969 so um what's interesting yeah what's interesting is that you know in 1969 you know the democrat leadership in new mexico had enough uh, wherewithal to pass a statute that actually made performing an abortion a fourth degree felony mm -hmm. and they also had a provision in this in this bill um to like if a woman wanted an abortion she had to go to before a hospital panel explain why she wanted the abortion and then the panel would tell her yes you can have it no you can't um and then the the abortion had to be done in an accredited hospital because, you know, we all know abortion is a brutal, violent, invasive procedure. And um, now it's, you know, on street corners all across America as an outpatient facility. But uh, if you follow Operation Rescue almost daily, they're putting out uh, articles of women that are transported away from these facilities by ambulance. They get the 911 calls. Um, just recently, there was a call in Chicago abortion clinic and the doctor's literally on the phone with a 911 saying I just overdosed my patient on fentanyl I need nice. an ambulance now she's not breathing this is this is abortion in America literally they're giving women so fentanyl and she overdosed and then she's like I'm waiting on my Narcan I'm waiting on my Narcan and I guess the Narcan comes but you she just all of a sudden goes, Oh my God. And this is like an abortionist. It's like, it's so eerie to listen to it, but it's like a 911 call that you can obtain in other places other than New Mexico. Uh, but I mean, this is literally abortion in America. And so it's putting women's lives at risk and, you know, women deserve to know what they're getting themselves into. They deserve to know the risks and they, you know, ultimately, obviously we want a culture where abortion is not allowed because it is killing children, but it's pretty scary what happens in these places. Um, and so I really just hope that people really consider like the mentality that we, we should have as Christians, like children are a blessing. They're a reward. And, um, you know, God tells us in Genesis, like be fruitful and multiply. There's no exceptions there. You know, that's what he, he tells us to, to do as his people and as humanity. And so, um, you know, we just have to keep promoting that culture that loves life and honors God. Amen. Amen. I wanted Amen. to touch a little bit about, um, you know, about our culture. Planned Parenthood seems to, um, you know, now they have ads and they go with the culture. They try to make it sound like it's a good thing, like hip and cool. Yeah, a breath of fresh air. Um, I think it was about four years ago. It was about um, 
they were having ads for Valentine's Day. Get her what she really wants. She wants an abortion. Yeah. Like, like glamorize it. Um, and then yeah. they have, you know, abortion quotas, employee of the month. You know, when I walked in, um, and I know that uh, Southwestern Women's Options, uh, they're not Planned Parenthood, but there are a lot of abortion clinics that are not Planned Parenthood. It's not just Planned Parenthood. When I walked in and I saw through the plexiglass, I could see like, you know, the whole office in there. And they were like happy, like they worked at Toys R Us, smiling and everything. And I'm like, how can they, you know, live with themselves knowing what they're doing? Um, even the lady that was the counselor, um, after I think Jonah was three weeks, I actually saw her at Walgreens. Um, and she had a three-year-old and a one-year-old in her cart. And I said, hey, do you remember me? I said, you tried to bore my child. <laughs> And she right away, her eyes got big and she took off. I said, it's crazy how you can work there because you have children, little children, but other people's children have to die. You know, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, and I do remember during the uh, undercover video, I asked them if they were like Planned Parenthood where they did, uh, what is it called? Uh, I guess they say they, they say they do mammograms and women's health or whatever. Um, they real? also give... Um, uh, birth control, but they said at Southwestern Women's Options that they're strictly termination. Um, and the fact that they got me alone in the room uh, to isolate me so they can do their sale. And um, I just wanted to mention too about the price. Um, I'm not sure the price that you got before I went undercover, Tara, but I know the price they gave me was $17,000. First, they said, oh, maybe your mom can lend you the money. And I said, I don't, my mom, I don't want to tell my mom, you know, because I'm trying to think what a teenager would say or a young woman. I'm like, I, she won't lend me money to do that. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get the money. And they're like, I guess they were trying to do it without Medicaid first. And then when I got isolated into another room, they said to call a certain lady that can get me on what's called emergency pregnancy Medicaid. So basically for those four days, I'll get on Medicaid and the Medicaid will pay our tax dollars. We'll pay for my late term abortion. And by the way, I also wanted to mention for the listeners, too, that anyone can get Medicaid in New Mexico. You could be, you know, an illegal immigrant or an immigrant. You can get on um, Medicaid. So uh, we've had people come from all over the world to Albuquerque, New Mexico to get their late-term abortions. Because guess what? If you're from Italy and you, you want an abortion or when you're eight months, nine months, you can come here, get on Medicaid for those three days, and that's it. So our tax dollars are not only paying for, you know, people in um, the U.S., our own state and city. We're also paying for the world's late-term abortions as well. So if you think about it, uh, do you, uh, Tara or um, Marcy, want to touch on the prices that we pay for that? Like our tax dollars that go towards that? Um, I, I remember around 2016, um, five-month, 20-week uh, 20, uh, 20 abortion was going for about $8,000. And then it goes up per week. Is That's that right, Tara? Yeah, I mean, it sounds about right. I mean, I'm sure there's some inflation, although, you know, for the most part, it's interesting. Um, the abortion industry has not really increased prices of abortions that much over the span of the years. Like they usually do keep like the first trimester abortions between like four and six hundred dollars. And then it just kind of goes up from there. But we were fortunate enough to find out with Felicia going in so late in her pregnancy, 37 weeks, 
Um, you know, they kind of said, oh, $17,500 was like the top dollar that they would charge. But, you know, um, I don't know what they would charge now. And thankfully, you know, they're not doing them right now uh, either. So they've cut back to 24 weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, the sad thing is, is that New Mexicans are forced to pay for these abortions and it's based on a court order. So we don't really have any recourse to challenge it unless we figure out a way to, to find standing to challenge it, which actually was the reason for the uh, referendum in 2013, because um, they're trying to, well, we were trying to make it to where a baby like at 20 weeks had standing, you know, and um, was a person and um, needed to be protected. And so that was sort of the reasoning behind doing like a 20 week ban locally was to try to challenge that um, and every that the the fact that abortions can be done through all nine months of pregnancy in New Mexico for any reason. And so, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we don't have a lot of recourse other than just really being involved, being boots on the ground and really putting our faith into action, taking a stand against this. It's the the greatest injustice of our time uh, and it's happening every single day um, in New Mexico and other places. Thankfully, Roe v. Wade did, it, you know, is saving hundreds of thousands of lives, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, so laws do matter. They're important. But on the most basic fundamental level as the body of Christ, we need to be in this battle one way or another. Amen. Right. Um, I was going to say uh, one of those uh, pieces of information from uh, Mike Sabel, who's helped out a lot, as he said, uh, Canada sends their uh, the women with Down syndrome babies. So we got a cash cow coming from Canada. Um, wow. You know, we know that over in uh, one of the nether, I think it's Netherlands um, or Belgium, they've pretty much wiped out all of the um down syndrome babies it's just you know at, for what cost you know um and you know we go through and and we talk about all these things of you know well the it's they're going to have a hard life well they're going to be an inconvenience the fact is is that every single person on this planet will be an inconvenience to someone and um it, this is just part of the the foundation of of just godlessness and and selfishness. Um, I, I did want to touch base on um, the the hormonal birth control the pill um, because a lot of people, you know, myself included, you know, you were saying Tara that you know the Christians they're thinking, oh, this is a, this is an okay thing, you know. I thought in my head, oh, this is the Catholic, you know. Uh, thing stance on birth control it wasn't just that but even if you look in the pamphlets of every uh, uh container birth birth control there you know it it stops at three ways one it keeps you from ov suppresses ovulation but if ovulation you get breakthrough ovulation then it will starve the baby with from the progesterone and then uh it will dry up the fluids so again starving this baby and um you know, they have, um, you know, in the back of, and, and so my husband and I, we were on birth control for the first two years, you know, because that was the thing. Oh, that's, you know, this is okay. And, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, what happens if I'm, if I'm actually pregnant? No, 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 no. You, you justify it, block it out. And, you know, my husband and I, we had to repent. 
And I was like, God, you know, what happens, what happens if I did that? You know, um, you know, it just, it's, it's so wrong. And, um, people and, you know, going through and being in churches for, you know, since 1985, um, I only had one person in, in our church circle that said, you know, the bill, the pill is abortifacient. Yeah. I, I knew it in the back of my head, but only one person stood forward and said, that's not right. You know? So, um, you know, we have to, it's not a Catholic thing. It's a hard pill to swallow. And, and we need to be facing the facts of what's really happening because that's the scientific, that's the science of what happens with, um, HBCs. And, you know, guess what they, guess what these, uh, the abortion clinics, they tell these young girls, oh, it's just like taking a, a lot of abortion or a lot of uh, birth control pills, which is exactly what it is. It's the RU486 mifeprestone and um, my, I forget the second part, but this is what's going on with that. Right. Misoprostol is the second. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up because I should have said that, you know, that hormonal birth control is what, you know, I was referring to. And that does, it, it is what's called an abortifacient. And so the last mechanism of it, and I mean, like you said, it's science, all you have to do is read the insert, whether it's like an IUD or even like the implants, any hormonal birth control makes a woman's uterus like inhospitable to a newly created human embryo. And so, um, you know, there's, they don't even really know how many abortions are caused by women using birth control. It's just, it's probably so many, we just don't even know. And, and, you know, there's a lot of Christians, even, even my husband and I, he was a, he's an ordained minister and we actually went to Planned Parenthood right after we were married. And because my mom had me and my sisters on birth control, but by the time we were like 12 or 13, uh, being raised in a non-Christian home. And so whenever I got married, I thought, oh, well, I just, you know, I had been uh, on the mission field and then I came back and got married and I was like, oh, well, I was always on birth control whenever I was younger, I should just get on it again. And so we literally went to a Planned Parenthood. Uh, we drove like two hours to get there because we lived in Southern Arizona. And like, I remember now, like once I realized that, you know, Planned Parenthood is the nation's largest abortion provider. I was like mortified, but I remember being in there and just re- remembering like how cold it was. Cause you know, whenever you get birth control, you're supposed to get like an exam and all this kind of thing. And I just remember it being like super cold and I had no idea we were fresh out of Bible college and we had no idea that we were in an abortion clinic. And that is like the epitome of the American church for the most part, pastors aren't talking about it. Uh, they're not trained about it in Bible colleges a lot of the time. And so we just have this whole generation of, you know, Christians, American Christians who are just uninformed. And so I hope that this does really help people really consider, do your research, you know, read those inserts, do the right thing. Um, and, you know, turn your heart towards your children. That's what God wants us to do. Turn your heart towards life because he is the author of life. He is a life giver. And so we really need to, even as Christians, like embrace that and embrace his command to be fruitful and multiply and view children as a blessing. Amen. Yeah. The the Western church is so watered down. It's unbelievable. It really is. You got, you got churches uh, promoting abortion and you got Mm -hmm. uh, churches promoting transgenderism and ordaining transgenders as pastors and you know um 
just falling to the cultural pressure, cultural pressure of uh, the LGBT uh, movement, you know, and I think that the LGBT movement and the abortion movement, they go hand in hand, really. And I think that, you know, in order for us to stop that, I don't know if it'll ever be stopped. You know, the word of God does say that uh, as we get closer to the end, men's uh, hearts will fail them for what's to come. Like it's going to get worse and worse, but in the moment, just like every day, we should be trying to, you know, spread the kingdom message, the, the kingdom of God. And as I said, uh, stated before, the gospel is the only thing that's going to change somebody's heart. You may not be able to change the laws of the state or uh, shut down abortion, but you can change individuals and each individual is, you know, just as important to God than, than anything else. Not only the baby, but the mother too, you know? So you have to, the gospel is the only thing I believe that's going to actually change the heart of a person. And when that heart is changed, abortion, whether it's an individual or a group of people, it's, it's gonna, they're gonna change their mind. They're gonna change. But if the church is unprepared to talk about it, what good does it do? Yeah. You know, like you, like you can go to church, be a Christian and hear nothing of abortion. And so you think that you can be a Christian and get one. Right. And, and so another point that we, we need to talk about is um, before you even would be in the market for an abortion, uh, we, you know, how much is the church talking about being chased uh, saving yourself for that spouse? Um, uh, I heard one pastor say, um, you know, if, if you're kissing someone and you're not engaged or married to that person, you're kissing someone else's spouse. Um, and so we never talk about that. Um, you know, um, and, and so that's part of our culture. Uh, that's what we should be doing. Um, and so, uh, we should be, I mean, it's like, you know, you've heard that that saying, well, you can't legislate morality. And at some level, maybe not, but we do because that's why we have laws, correct? Right. Um, that's the only purpose for laws is to legislate morality and say what's right and wrong. So, I mean, right. yeah, that's so, just not a true statement at all. Right. right. But we're not, are we, what are we preaching in the church? Are, are we having people get in the word of God? Are we modeling? walking with the Lord, listening to the Lord, you know, Hey, I, I struggled with this when I was younger. This is how I came out so that people can come to us and say, man, uh, you know, not just at the abortion clinics and thank God, thank God we have our, our great sidewalk, um, the sidewalk advocates and butt and chair, everybody who's out there, because you know, that's, that's that, that song from like, um, I forgot his name, but he said, you know, running a mission a yard from, from the gates of hell. And that's really where we're at, you know, uh, when we're out there, that is what's happening. Um, and, but, you know, we're not just there before. If women have an abortion, guess what? Guess who they come to? You know, they come to the church, they come to the people, and, and we're there to minister to them because they are those the cells of the baby that were inside of them. Every time a woman is pregnant, those cells circulate throughout the woman's body. Guess where they end up? In her brain. That's why we have a connection with our kiddos. That's why I know what's going on with my kids before they call me. And because if this is that, that God connection, 
it's it's not just a spiritual which it, it definitely is a spiritual connection but god put that in us so that we are connected with them and um you know a lot of people they they don't know that but what a what a beautiful thing but that's why there are so women who've gone through abortions are so traumatized and so prone to suicide is because they know um you know i've heard i remember the first pro-life candlelight vigil i went to the the older older lady she said she was spending time with the lord and she heard the words grandma they killed me her daughter had an abortion didn't tell her wow and uh you know these are little little ones and and they um their angels have to give an account to the face of god and how much more do we right yeah, that's true. And I want to touch on something that you had mentioned about uh, women who had have had an abortion, because we got to also tell them that there's hope. A lot of them struggle with uh, postpartum depression and uh, psychosis as well, which is, I mean, it's not as prevalent. I don't know, but I, I do know that there's a lot of grief involved and a lot of these women commit suicide and they need hope and forgiveness. And that's where, you know, God also comes in. If you can't get them before, get them after, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there is hope for them and there is forgiveness in Christ. But to, to say that, you know, Christ and then get an abortion is like, it's very difficult because I think that that is like the epitome of taking the name of the Lord in vain, you know, and it's not just with abortion, but if you claim to know Jesus Christ and you're living in heavy sin of any kind, you're, you're really taking the name of the Lord in vain, but there is hope for them. If anybody out there is listening who may have had one, we're not trying to condemn you. There is help. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these churches don't even know how to deal with the issue, but we do have people out there. I mean, Bud, Tara, Marcy, my wife, there are people out there who are willing to talk to you and lead you to Christ and help you with that process of grief. You know, mm -hmm. there, there is hope and that hope is only found in Jesus. Right. There's a uh, Rachel's vineyard. Is there another group that's out there? Tara? You know, there's so many groups available. CareNet has a has a uh, curriculum. I think probably every pro-life uh, pregnancy center can refer a woman for post-abortion healing is what it's called. Um, so, I mean, absolutely, you know, if a woman has had an abortion, there is hope and healing and there is curriculum and retreats and weekends and things like that to help you find healing and forgiveness that is only through Christ if you're truly repentant. Um, but for the church, I just want to say, you know, we just have to realize these women that are going for abortions, like they're most likely never going to step foot in the church. Like mm -hmm. we have to be the church and bring the gospel to them in these Amen. places. Of death. And like you said, Marcy, when we are at these places, um, it is like the modern day Calvary. And it's also like the gates of hell, because once a woman goes in there and does this, like there's no one doing it, you know, there's no one doing killing your child. And so it's so devastating, not just for her, for the entire family, you know, for future generations. Um, and so I really just hope that, you know, yeah, the churches are not equipped. We need to equip them. And there are organizations uh, that are going to be launching or one organization that's going to be launching here in Albuquerque shortly. And they're really focused on engaging the church, getting the church to 
go out to prayer walks and be visible. Like, you know, we have to realize that as the body of Christ, we're not confined to the four walls of the church. And like I said, most of these people, most, a lot of, you know, godly people, like they have so many beefs with Christianity, with Christians, with whatever, they're never going to come to us. That's why we have to go out and, and bring the gospel to them, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of life, because life is God's gift. And so um, we absolutely, you know, just want to encourage people. If anyone does want to get involved, um, do training, talk with me, like wherever you are, um, I'd love to help guide you in that, in that way, you know, maybe going out to the clinic to pray is something you could do, maybe volunteering at a pregnancy center, um, you know, maybe sewing into a pro-life ministry locally, um, where you live. Um, there's so many ways that you can be involved and, you know, it doesn't take very much to just let a woman know that you care about her and help her throughout the process for her to choose life. Right. Amen. Amen to that. Before I know we're already at the hour mark. So before we go, um, I'm going to let everybody say whatever they, they want to say is, uh, you know, for your last closing statements. And it doesn't matter how long it is. But um, before we do that, you know, we're talking about the abortion cartel here. And we know um, there's some leaked videos about how some of these abortion clinics were selling baby parts. Like it is a really it really is a money making machine. That's what it is. They don't give a crap about you or your baby. They're making money and that's all they care about. Um, my wife has some statistics or some, what do you got there? Oh, uh, this was from 2015, um, Planned Parenthood statistics, um, 30 to a hundred dollars, the going rate for baby, baby's body parts, according to Planned Parenthood's director of medical research. And then 23 million is the annual income Planned Parenthood makes from selling aborted baby body parts and 500 billion taxpayer funds received by Planned Parenthood annually, which is, it's crazy that they would be selling these baby body parts. It's like, well, they do it under the guise of science too, like using uh, stem cells and stuff, you know what I mean? And so that's like, when I was young, I, I didn't know it had anything to do with abortion or, or baby cells, but stem cells and stem cell research is all about that. It comes from a baby. Mm-hmm. And, well, vaccines. Uh, yeah. Vaccines, yeah, vaccines too. Yeah. I mean, all the, a lot of the childhood vaccines contain cells from an aborted child from the 1970s. You know, those cells were used to create the vaccines, the COVID shots, like all of those, except I think for the Nova, the the most recent one, like they all used aborted fetal cells. And so, yeah, these, you know, crazy control freaks are like, oh, we're just going to use aborted children in hopes for some good, but look at what it's gotten us. Like, you know, the government has like a vaccine injury fund to pay people out when their kids are like vaccine damaged. And we're seeing the repercussions now of the COVID shots. People, I just talked with a volunteer today. She said her 20 year, 22 year old friend was driving and he like passed out because he had a heart attack and he took the shot. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is like very common for the, for the COVID shot. Very common. The, the heart, heart attacks and uh, cardiovascular uh, shutdowns and stuff. Yeah. So we have to look at the origination. Oh, there's aborted fetal cells here. Maybe we shouldn't Mm -hmm. be using these types of things, destroying humanity. Right. They're uh, what they use. It's called HEK 293, which is human embryonic kidney cells which PepsiCo was actually using that to create flavors to make us like it more. Yeah. Uh, now they didn't put the fetal cells inside, but they use the kidney cells to garner the responses. 
And so when they say 293, that's because there were 292 other babies before they finally got the right mix. So very wow. disturbing, um, very disturbing. Um, when, uh, it, here's one other part with that. Um, in the um, 2016 was when um, UNM was um, doing, a, this is when I got to record Dr. Roth uh, regarding uh, there was a high school summer workshop that had been dissecting. They dissected, according to him, one or two fetal brains. But, you know, and I said, where did you get those? Well, we, we don't know. Well, let me, let me tell you in that hearing that I went to, um, and there's a, the head of the RCRC or, or Religious Coalition of, for Reproductive Choice, Joan, Joan Lemonian Sanford. Uh, when she's there, I know I'm supposed to, I'm in the right place. Um, anyway, they were talking very quietly, but they are only required to give an account for any human tissue, that's, um, or at least fetal tissue, because they were talking about fetal disposition or disposal of fetal tissue from abortions. Um, they were only required to account for uh, fetal tissue greater than two ounces. Well, that's a 13, I think that's 13 weeks. Oh um, so they could abort all these babies and they had zero accountability. Um, and the funny thing about that time was that was when the, the Wendy's, do you remember they found the finger of, uh, in the Wendy's chili? Oh yeah. And remember that? And so yep. they, so when they do surgery or amputation, they have to account for that because there's a state statute that says that you have to have accountability for every piece of human remains, which is again, why they tell, um, they try to dehumanize these babies. It's just a blob of tissue. It's just fetal remains. No, these are human beings because how else are they going to account for if there's like a mass murder or something? They, they can trace exactly where those babies came from. But since they have all of these babies that they have uh, just brutally taken their lives for, um, they have no accountability for this. And um, that needs to stop as well. So um, that, was a, that was an important part because, you know, you were talking about the, the fetal babies and, and all the stuff that, you know, they're selling these babies. They were, UNM finally, they finally got them to stop, but Hector Balderas never brought any accountability to the university regarding the selling of human, and they want them fresh. They will get orders. These uh, places will call the universities and they will, uh, the universities will call these abortion clinics to get, to find out where they're, um, where they can get these babies from. That's horrifying. I wanted to make a correction. It was 500 million <laughs> annually that they make. Um, uh, Texas Right to Life was showing here um, a picture. It says for 38 fetal brains, they get 22,610. For, um, it doesn't show how many hearts. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably like nine. 7,140. Uh, for five fetal livers, it's 2,975. 12 fetal pancreases, 7,140, and for three fetal upper and lower limbs, 2,670, which is disgusting. Like, you know, it makes you think, you know, what's really going on? Why are they doing this? Why, you know, why are they trying to hide it? Because um, everything's leaked. Everyone has to go undercover to reveal these things. And then 
you know, we get called crazy by people. Yeah, but now you see that the uh, the satanic religion, the uh, Church of Satan, is now uh, advocating for abortion to be legalized under religious rights. And did they just have uh, one out here, um, a new clinic, the satanic church? And I don't know where exactly it's at. Do you guys have any information about that? Yeah, so the satanic temple out of Boston, Massachusetts, they decided to capitalize on, you know, what's happening in New Mexico where the doors are wide open for abortion providers. Um, and so they decided, oh, we want to get in on that, too. We're going to start offering telemedicine abortions to New Mexican women. And so um, that's what they've been doing. They, of course, said that they wanted to set up a clinic here. But to my knowledge, you know, that hasn't come to fruition. So but it is interesting, you know, to just think about, um, you know, the people that are doing abortions being in line like the you know the abortion industry is they try to be very religious now because they know that that appeals to so many people so right. that's why we have like the religious coalition for reproductive choice in new mexico that's so active and they act like they're all compassionate and they're religious but it's a fake religion it's they don't serve god it's satanic because right. you know true true worshipers of yahweh do not help other people kill their children, you know? And, and so you can tell by their fruit if they're like true religion or not, but, um, you know, I just challenge people who may be like pro-choice, even though we're all pro-choice, but some choices are wrong. Killing a child is wrong. If they mm -hmm. realize that like, they're literally have an alliance with the satanic temple, um, and that's really the origins, you know, of, of what's happening with the abortion industry in our nation. Um, I wanted to share a verse if this is an appropriate time. It comes from Jeremiah 19, verse 5. Um, it says, they have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire as offerings to Baal. Something I did not command, but get this. I didn't command it or mention, nor did it ever enter into my mind. And so I just, you know, as we've been talking, that verse has just been weighing kind of heavily on me. It's like, you know, this is all conceived in the heart of man, you know, and God, he, he didn't even tell them. He never told, you know, the people to sacrifice their children for any reason. He never even thought about it. Like it was a shock to him, his system, that people would even do that in the scriptures during that time in history. And so, you know, we're living in a time where it's literally open sacrifice, you know, on street corners across this nation. Thankfully in the wake of Roe v. Wade, our neighboring state of Texas, there's no babies dying there. And that's because Roe v. Wade was overturned and like there, they had a trigger law that went into effect that outlawed abortions. And so, um, you know, while it is a very spiritual problem that we have in the hearts of men and, and women um, in particular, like, you know, laws do make a difference. And I just want to encourage people, you know, make sure that you are engaged um, in your church, you know, be a voice in your church, be, be involved politically, make sure that you research, you know, political parties. The Democrat party is very pro-abortion. Republican party does stand for life. It's not perfect, but we have to be involved. Um, we're seeing what's happening in New Mexico. It's because people are sitting on the sidelines. They're not getting involved and evil is trying to win, but we know God wins in the end. And so we're seeing the silver lining in this battle. It's like an ongoing battle. 
Satan takes an inch, God takes a mile. And, you know, we just have to be engaged in the battle. We can't sit on the sidelines and say, oh, I didn't know, because now you do know if you're listening to this podcast, you know what's happening. And so I just hope that people will uh, get engaged. And if anyone wants to find me, um, I'm at abortionfreenm.com. And um, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you in any way. And we certainly appreciate your prayers as we work to make New Mexico abortion free. And I wanted to touch a, a little bit, uh, just real quick, uh, about abortion tourism. Um, because we, you know, we're able to do it up to birth because of the laws, um, how, you know, there's like no laws out here. Um, and it's ridiculous. It's all free and open. Um, there was, um, and he, I don't know if he still does, I'm pretty sure he does, Reverend Daniel Cantor, I think that's how you say his name. He would bring uh, low-income women who needed abortions, and he would fly them out here to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Southwestern Women's Options to get abortions. And he's a reverend. I actually saw, like, a documentary about him, and he he thinks, just like, you know, Boyd, he thinks he's doing the will of God. I don't know if um, you, Tara, wanted to touch on that, about uh, abortion tourism. Yeah. So, I mean, abortion tourism is essentially what's been happening in New Mexico for quite some time because we were doing the latest abortions in the nation. So there are only like four places where a woman could get a third trimester abortion. And so mm -hmm. that's been a real problem. Um, thankfully, just a couple of months ago, um, of like there's no the late term abortion facility, Southwestern Women's Options, they announced they're not doing them beyond 24 weeks. So there's actually no third trimester abortions in New Mexico right now, but we still have abortion tourism because states like Texas are not doing abortions. And so women are through abortion, pro-abortion groups being uh, referred to New Mexico. And so we still have this influx of out-of-state women, particularly from Texas. Texas is a big state. We have at least two, well, three abortion centers that came here from Texas to set up their shops in New Mexico. And so um, they've just had this network that they've created. And so um, abortion tourism is very real. You know, we have women that are coming here for their abortions up to 24 weeks of pregnancy today. And, um, you know, they can have their abortion. They go to their hotel room, local hotel rooms. Um, some of them could potentially deliver in their hotel rooms, depending on the procedure, depending on what happens. Um, and so it's something, you know, people really need to think about. It's a very big problem facing our state, but unfortunately our leaders are fully embracing it. Right. And of course there's no one that they don't send any medical personnel when the woman is delivering into the toilet. You know, there are these, are these hotel rooms, even sanitary sanitized again, opportunities for sepsis. Right. Oh, it's just disturbing. If so, I could, oh, go I on. Could, I, I just wanted to touch base. So something to kind of tie in with what Tara was saying. Um, I think it's in First uh, John. Uh, Paul was saying that there, there is a sin that does not lead to death. And on that, you should pray. But he said, there's a sin that does lead to death. On that, you, you're just, you need to address this. Abortion mm -hmm. leads to death. Of at least one person, sometimes two. Um, and so as the church, we have a responsibility to be able to engage in conversations that are really difficult. Um, a lot of times we 
we shy away. I, I know it. I, I'm afraid a lot of times to bring that up. In fact, um, it was really hard for me to, and I, I don't go out as much as, as I try to get the word out about what abortion is. But the thing that really scared me when I were to go out in front of the abortion clinic is like, how do you deal with women that just, they're not going to take the information. They won't stop. And they come out and they've already done an abortion. And, and the Lord had to encourage me that he was going to be there for them because they still needed ministry. They still needed to know the love of God. And it, it was, it just, it's a very, I think people who are on the sidewalks are the, some of the most brave people on the planet, bar none. Uh, and because it's, you're, you're having to look death in the face. Um, but the, the heart is always redemption. And, um, and so that's something that's very important to, uh, God is always redemptive, you know, even the thief on the cross, he was, he was there and, and the thief on the cross said, will you remember me? He, he never said the sinner's prayer. He never had communion, never went on a missions trip yet. The Lord said, yet you will see me in paradise. And, and I, I want to also I know some people, they listen to these stories and these testimonies. They think that they can't possibly be happening. Uh, there's no church of Satan that's going to try to, you know, they're, that's just made up. But um, these things are real. Um, uh, just a few years ago, um, there was a, a red pickup truck that pulled up to the Planned Parenthood over on San Mateo. Um, and the people in there loaded up the, the red containers, which were, you know, uh, what do they call those um, biohazard waste biohazard race and that pickup truck tore out and took a couple of those biohazard wastes which are aborted babies That's there's so no sad. other explanation other than they were doing something spiritually demonic with mm -hmm. those nefarious yeah uh, just and so it's it's a real thing um but we have a real god and um, we need to be the church. Um, and because, you know, you have, you have Christians, oh, you can't be saying anything. Why not? We, we have an obligation. Ezekiel said, and Ezekiel, God said, you know, you have a responsibility to deliver my message. If they don't turn, that's on them. But if you don't say it, that's on us. And, uh, and it's a heavy thing, but we, by God's grace, if, if you can't, if you're not comfortable and say anything, Abby Johnson says, even if you're out front and praying, the number of abortions get canceled. And so whatever part we can partake, don't go out alone. Always mm -hmm. go with a partner. Always go covered in prayer. It is, I mean, we've seen where they have the, these women. I believe some of them are witches and they are out in front of that parking lot. Oh, no doubt. They are taking video camera of everybody who's out there. So, but our God is bigger and you know what he, he, by God's grace, I, that's all I can say because it's such a hard ministry. This is one of the hardest things. Um, but the church is the one that they come to when they're broken. And, and that's, that's also a ministry as well. Did you want to touch on that Tara? I, I do know that you have a ministry sidewalk without the savior. I don't know if you have to go or not, but. Yeah, no. So our latest initiative, you're right, is no sidewalk without the savior. And that's what we do. We just ask people to go out and pray. 
um, for one hour shifts during the week. And we do partner people up together and um, we will be, we do sidewalk counseling training as well um, for those that want to actually interact with the women. But primarily we just want people out there to pray, to storm the gates of heaven on behalf of these moms, on behalf of these babies. And we just really know that God hears our prayers and that, you know, we are the last line of defense for those moms and for those babies, you know, no one else is, um, going to help them once they go in those doors, they're going to be sold in abortion. They're going to be told that that's the best thing for them. And so we believe it's our responsibility to make sure that there is no sidewalk without the savior, the gospel, but that every woman deserves a, a last ditch effort, you know, a last chance to, to turn around, you know, some women, we've had women tell us, you know, I prayed all night last night before I came here today. And I prayed that God would, um, put, you know, like, stack bricks in front of the door so I couldn't go in or I probably I've been praying for a sign and you guys are here and you're the sign I know you are I can't go through with this and so you know it's it's Thank few you. and far between and it's not like a very fruitful rewarding you know ministry um I mean it is but you know you have to realize these women they've been contemplating contemplating it for months for weeks um, you know, they have every, everything, everyone in their lives telling them that they just need to get rid of this baby. And so it's hard. It is hard to turn them around, but we know that if we're there, not one single woman can say no one was there for me. You know, and we've had women on the flip side, be mad at us say, you know, what? why weren't you here 12 years ago? Like they're mad. Mm -hmm. Why were you not here for me? I'm just so angry. It's amazing. Like the anger that they have. And it's like, I'm so sorry, you know, like, we should, we should do better as the body of Christ. We have like 500 churches in Albuquerque, probably less now, thanks to COVID and everything. But why are we not able to have people out of these places every hour that they're open? And mm -hmm. so, you know, at, at the same time we do, we have those victories where we are able to help moms and we are able to see the babies born. And, you know, it's like a completely different picture. It's a picture of happiness and wholeness um, because those women they were courageous and they chose life in a difficult circumstance. And so now they have a beautiful baby to show for it. And so it's completely different from the woman who goes in, has the abortion, comes out and she's destitute the rest of her life, you know, always wondering what may have been. And, you know, truth be told, it's very important to be there, you know, in general to try to reach these women before they go through with an abortion, because you think having an abortion is going to bring a woman closer to the Lord? No, that's Satan mm -hmm. getting a victory in her life. Satan just got a victory and a foothold over her. And she's going to be hearing from that day forward, what kind of woman are you? You killed your child. God's never going to forgive you. God's never going to love you. You know, you can't even love yourself and forgive yourself. It's just, mm -hmm. it's pure mm -hmm. evil. You know, so it's even more of like an urgency to be there and say, Hey mom, we love you. We care so much about you. Let's look at the resources that are available to you. There's so much help. And we we're literally here because we care about you and, you know, let's, let's go and talk about it. Let's think about it. Let's see what we can do to help you. And so that's really, you know, what our mission is um, when we're out on the sidewalks is to just really be there, love them and, and intervene and prevent them from this lifetime of heartache and regret and separation. Their sin separates them from God. And like you said, unless they truly repent of what they've done, there is no forgiveness, you know, and that's hard when she, when you've killed your child, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's this thing, it's this heavy burden, this stone of guilt that like, 
I, I just can't even imagine. I mean, I love my kids so much. I just can't even imagine, you know, not knowing that I killed one of them, you know, I mean, right. I, it's, just, it's unfathomable. You have to deny your maternal instincts in order to do something like that. And I, I do remember uh, we were discussing this uh, uh, a couple of years ago that the relationships end within six months, if abortion was even discussed and if they went through with it. Um, also, I wanted to see if you guys um, have any um, anything you want to speak about um, with like the pregnancy centers or, you know, Tara, like your ministry, uh, Abortion Free New Mexico. There's no media coverage um, about these ministries that are nonprofit that help women. They help families. You know, they say that we only care about babies in the womb and after they're born, we don't we don't care about them at all. And then they mention, um, you know, all the babies are already here. We don't care about them. But Tara has even helped me and my husband. Um, and we never tried to get an abortion or anything. But in general, their ministry has helped me and my husband get um you know, diapers, clothes, different things, or if we needed help with rent, things like that. And just like Tara's ministry, there are tons of pregnancy centers that are even not even Christian, but all over the place that help women, uh, couples, parents, uh, if they just need anything, and you didn't even have to try to get an abortion to get that help, they will help you. They will help you at any time the the child needs diapers or formula. I know that CareNet does have um I tried them once um, with my second pregnancy um, in my early 20s. Uh, you know, they they helped me with Christ. They helped me to um, get to know him better. They offered counseling. They offered diapers and clothes and formula, anything that I would need for my kids. And it, it's an ongoing thing if you continue with their program. Uh, did you want to touch base on, on that, Tara? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, pregnancy resource centers, like outnumber abortion facilities, probably four to one. So that just goes to show you how much the pro-life community cares for these women. Um, unfortunately, like you said, I mean, it costs money to advertise. We're not, you know, a lot of them don't have millions of dollars and to do that kind of thing, they rely a lot on word of mouth and, you know, different, different ways of advertising. But, um, you know, I know a lot of them are working more on their digital footprint since everything is digital now. So they want to make sure there's this huge push within the pregnancy center movement to, um, you know, be on Google searches and have those ads and things like that to combat the abortion industry's marketing and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's literally not a need that a pregnant woman would have that would not be met by our community. So whether it be myself personally or another partnering organization, um, we've literally put women on airplanes back to their home state. We have paid off car payments. We've paid cell phone bills. We've paid electric bills. We've helped people from being evicted. Um, I mean, you name it, whatever it takes to save that baby's life, we will help the mom because we know that that's what it's going to take to help her see that, you know, having this baby is not going to be a burden for her. And then we do, we walk through them, uh, through the, their pregnancy and even after, you know, helping them as best we can. And so, but we do also want to get them into programs to where they can be self-sufficient. So they're not always just looking for a handout and being in need. We want to help them get into programs where they can get training, get jobs, get GEDs and things like that. So, I mean, whatever the need is, the pro-life community is ready and willing and capable of providing. Now, whether or not a woman is actually open to that is another, another thing. I mean, 
And I think we really need to be praying as the body of Christ that women's hearts will be open to life and seeking out resources and things like that. Um, but again, I just can't reiterate enough that like women that are considering an abortion, they're not looking to the church a lot of the times. They're not looking for those resources. So we really need to figure out a way to meet them where they are. That's why I think the digital footprint is so important. And there's a big push for that, thankfully. But even just being, you know, um, sometimes we go outside of high schools and and we go to colleges to have a presence to meet the these young people before they get to the abortion clinic. And so uh, I think you just, just need to be more proactive in letting people know what's available. Um, and there's a really good website. It's called optionline, I think, .org. Um, we use that on a lot of our signs. And um, any woman anywhere in the world can go to that website, type in her zip code, and it brings up the nearest pregnancy help centers. Um, and so there's so much help. And, you know, uh, Adoption is always an option. There's mentorships. There's just so many, so many different resources. A woman really never has a reason, a valid reason to kill her child. And that's what abortion is at the end of the day. It's killing a human being. And um, we just really need to help as the body of Christ women to see that and really empower them to motherhood because they are moms when they're pregnant and they can do it. This is what women are created to do is to be mothers. We just need to come together as a community and support one another. Amen. Marcy, did you want to touch on any of this before we get into yeah. your uh, Dr. Paul Roth video? Sure. Um, one of the things that um, I've always saw, and you know, here's, here's my shout out to the churches. Um, Tara, you said we have about 500 churches in the city of Albuquerque. If every single church took one month to say, we're going to do a baby shower and, and you pick out one month, that would really help, whether it be gift cards, diapers, formula, baby clothes drives, uh, just, you know, do a baby bottle, uh, you know, collect money from and with baby bottles. And, you know, that's something that, you know, we did with our homeschool group, um, just, you know, making life important celebrating moms because you know they're the we see society they're trying to erase women the, what the heck is that uh it's it's just another mark of the enemy um he hates life he hates men he hates women um it it does take two to tango and but you know men are a very important part of of the life of a child and so um and we know that there are other um I think it's, um, I'm drawing a blank with Dee Dee. Um, she has her, her thing where alongside, alongside where, you know, they're doing training with, with both the mother and the father. Um, and, and just being there, you know, we, I have a, I have a great friend. Um, actually one of my, my bestie, you know, she was in that situation. We got to walk with her and now, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, some people can only give a little bit at the beginning because it's it's too much for them. But, you know, they're still giving and they can still be part. And, and we want to encourage everyone, whatever level you're at, please give. Um, maybe you're praying. Maybe you're a grandparent. You don't have extra money, you know, uh, but you can be a friend to that young mom and help them out and and walk with them and be a mentor. Um, it's 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 creating a culture of life um, because that's what we're, that's what we're missing. 
is, um, you know, every, every person is important. And um, I just want to encourage people. I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those, you know, I, I'm not affiliated with any one particular group. I, I try to get behind everyone who is, who is standing in for, for life and uh, in the pre-born. And I, I do a lot of writing. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm Facebook banned, Twitter banned <laughs> most of the time, but, you, you know, just trying to get, here. give people information so that they can share that. Um, because a lot of times people, they don't know how to answer those hard questions. Yeah. Amen. So Tara, I heard you have to leave right now. Yeah, I better get going. I got to go feed the kids dinner. Bless you. Oh, thank gosh. you guys for having me on. And um, again, if anyone wants to find out how to get involved or support our pro-life missionary family, um, our website is abortionfreenm.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email with your prayer requests. And I uh, just really hope that you guys are encouraged to stand for life and to stand for the gospel in your community because we are the light of the world and we have an amazing message that we just need to get out into the into our culture. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on by their fruits. And I hope that everybody, reach, you know, you guys get some traffic and, you know, this reaches a lot of people. So I'm, I'm expecting a lot of people to DM you. Thanks, Tara. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. God bless. Yeah. Say hi to everybody. Give everybody hugs. Will do. Bye-bye. Uh, so we're going to get into this video. Do you want to, before we do, do you want to, I think you touched on it just a little bit earlier. Uh, do you want to touch on what this video is about? Okay. So back in uh, 2016, um, the Albuquerque Journal actually exposed uh, UNM selling baby parts um, from between UNM and Dr. Boyd's office. and. Um, so I was working with uh, Elisa Martinez with uh, New Mexico Alliance for Life. And she's like, hey, there's a hearing about fetal disposition, which is the medical termination of getting rid of the dead baby bodies that we've killed. Okay. Um, so I, uh, you know, you get that tap on your shoulder. And I went down to UNM and I'm, I'm in this room. And again, Joan Lemonian Sanford was over there. And um, so they're trying to talk about how to get rid of these baby, baby bodies, dead baby bodies. And, um, and so, you know, they're, they were being really covert in the way that the information was getting out. And they did talk about, um, well, how do we do this? What's the cutoff? When do you have to start accounting for the dead babies that you've killed? Um, how, basically, how do I bury the, the bodies is it's that that dramatic. Oh, wow. um, and mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I asked him because it was I said, now, is this urban legend or did was, uh, you know, what happened in this high school summer workshop? Because they were dissecting fetal brains from aborted babies. And, um, it, it, and, and, and also that was the summer, all this stuff starts coming around where it's like, we had this rise up of, of, you know, violence among our youth. Um, and I'll, I'm going to touch on that after I talk about this, but, um, I said, you know, we're sowing this, that babies should be killed. Why shouldn't they be killing each other? I said, don't you see a correlation? 
And, um, or maybe that was just my statement, but um, after, after this hearing, um, you know, I'm furiously taking notes and getting kind of stats. I, I, I got to talk to um, uh, Dr. Roth. I'd actually had a brand new cell phone. And then I asked him this question and he told me, and then I realized my phone wasn't recording. I was like, can you please say this again? And oh, no. they're like, oh, he has to go out. Uh, you can go talk to this person. And that person's like, I don't want to be on camera. I said, you're on public, you're on the public payroll. You can talk. And uh, they, sh they ushered me down the hall. Well, guess what? Dr. Roth and Dr. Larson from UNM's uh, sciences, health sciences were coming down the hallway. And that's where this video comes in where um, I said, Dr. Roth, can you please reiterate what you told me in the other room? I said, did you in fact have, uh, have a high school summer workshop where you dissected two fetal brains? And that's when he said, you know, well, we had one or two fetal brains. Well, what was it? Because like I said, under New Mexico state statute, um, every medical facility has to account for every um, piece of human flesh that is amputated, removed, which is why they work so desperately to, um, to keep um, babies uh, the unborn is inhumane. They're just a, that's why they call them. They're just a blob of tissue. They're just fetuses. Uh, they, they dehumanize them. They take their humanity out of the picture to justify what they're doing. Because if they did have to call them human beings, they would have to account for every, every baby that has been aborted. Did you say a high school workshop? High school summer workshop. Wow, that is insane. That is absolutely insane. And what they were doing is they're just, uh, the whole purpose of, of what these guys are doing is to uh, remove the innocence of, of children. Right. They're there to normalize what abortion, uh, about abortion. Um, and, and you can see even with this whole transgender thing, they'll, they'll talk to kids as young as three. I, I'm like... At what point is this even feasible? And the reason why, you know, and it never made sense with, you know, why is, why are they putting uh, the LGBTQ um, agenda with abortion? Because obviously LGBT can't reproduce, right? They call it reproductive justice, but it's neither reproductive nor does it bring justice, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then abortion is just, is killing these kids. And so, but what they're doing now is Planned Parenthood is the one that is, they're in the market for the hormones. And um, that's what they're doing. They're, they're going to be doing the, the hormonal transition through these clinics. And so they're using it to destabilize our, our population, our, you know, causing great, great, grave confusion for these kids you know um i was i tell people let's say you give um you know a group of high school students pornography to look at and then you say okay let them choose between watching porn or doing mathematics <laughs> the, the natural way of the flesh is just you know they get addicted right. yep. you know the bible says do not stir up love until it pleases 
which is in the confines of marriage between one man and one woman. But now that they've opened that up, I mean, that's why you'll see when children have been sexually abused, they they will go and they will seek out that, that first of all, that, uh, that affection, and then also the stimulation, because their bodies right. have been, the switch has been turned on. And um, God needs to be able to come in and, and heal those children. Right. Oh, that was disturbing. That's that's insane. I don't know if anybody else. I've never heard that before. That it was a high school workshop. Oh, like, yeah. how can you? You're sitting there dissecting a baby or two, right? I'm sure it was two. <laughs> if you mentioned it, yeah, right. That's that's vague. That's so vague. And I and you know, here's the thing. I I wrote a book on um on this whole thing because um it's called Abilene's a New Mexican Christmas Carol because I I had been. Um, actually really involved in APS from um, 2010 to 2013. Uh, we had a group of us that, um, and I don't know if you want me to, I can just basically go into it. Basically, go my, my, and um, my daughter had, was uh, a student over at El Dorado. And um, I got this garbled email or garbled robocall. And it was like well, 6,300, you know, Uptown Boulevard. And then I get a, a spam message late at night at like 8.50 saying, oh, uh, we're going to have this health and wellness meeting tomorrow at Wednesday at 5 p.m. And I'm like, again, that tap on your shoulder, I need you to go there. And these guys, this is before when they were going to start distributing condoms. And uh, they said, well, uh, I get into this meeting. You have all these people from Planned Parenthood, uh, Joan Lumanian Sanford from RCRC, uh, all these, you know, New Mexico for Responsible Sex Ed, all these pro-abortion groups. And there's two of us that were parents. So they, they didn't tell, they didn't advertise this because they didn't want people in there. And, um, and their opening statement was, well, we've been discussing this long enough and we're going to distribute condoms in, for 12th graders uh, to make sure to ensure correct, correct health information. And I said, well, how about if they, if they are not having sex? Isn't that like kind of the goal? You right. know? <laughs> um, but no, they, they wanted to get kids hypersexualized. And that was that is the agenda whether it's through uh, LGBT, through heterosexual sex, they want the money and yeah. they're planted inside of APS and New Mexico. Um, I have just a buttload of um, stats and information from that. So, Yeah, I was, uh, I remember that back in the day because I was in like sixth grade where they were teaching us sex ed, sex ed. and honestly, like, at that time in sixth grade, I knew people who have already had sex right in my grade. Wow. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that class doesn't help all it does is plant a seed on how to do it safely without having a kid. You know what I mean? Like they right. they they're essentially subliminally urging you or or not maybe not urging, but they're subliminally oh, yeah. conditioning you to have sex. Yeah, they're grooming. They're uh, grooming. Know, there you go. Even teach you the Catholic way to sin. <laughs> right the method you know so i mean it's just um you know on 
there there's a whole bunch of stuff that that is just unreal but the the purpose of this is to um like i said the bible says do not stir up love the sexual love until it pleases which is inside of marriage and and um you know i i confronted these people we had a we had an amazing group that kept coming and coming every once a month on this wednesday uh we would go there and um god would bring up he would bring up these articles uh on my computer while i was getting ready um and i remember back in january of 2011 um I get this article from June of uh, 2010 where it uh, talked about, I think in Massachusetts, that they were distributing condoms amongst uh, six and seven year olds. And I was like, what? Yeah. And now look and, at them. They're teaching, they're teaching yeah. kid, like literally kindergartners yeah. about sex. <laughs> yeah. Well, every kind of sex. And so, yep. you know, what kind? And so I, I copied this off. And again, this lady says, well, we've been talking about this long enough. We're going to discuss about this. And uh, I said, so how? I said, last time it was it started in 12th grade. Then you're going down to seventh grade. I said, how young are you going to start promoting this? I said, uh, seven, eight-year-olds, six-year-olds. And one lady said, if that's what this is all about, I will never come back here again. I said, read them and weep. And I gave them this article. And she was just like, oh my gosh, this is sick. And so that was one of the people that was actually, I be I believe, being paid to come to these meetings to promote this stuff. And but she was like, I will not have any part of that. So I mean, that's something that we should probably talk about is um people need to say why why are they using sex with children? Um what part does that have in, in their in their development? In the past, 18 years old, you were considered an adult. You do what you want, you know? Um, and we still know that there's dire consequences to that. But now what they've done is now, and what they're doing is you cannot have the parent, you can't tell the parent, even if there's a little self-harm, you cannot tell the parent, even if you think that it's going to be beneficial. Well, I'm going to tell you something that we need to be civilly disobedient about that because that was what HB7 was all Amen. about. Mm -hmm. And they are like, you know, you can't. And I was in the room because at first they said, um, well, we'll find the person $5,000. Then they said, no, 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 that's too much. Let's find the business. So let's find the school $5,000. Well, what does that do now that has put the that has become fascism because now the employers will not hire people who will speak up against this. Right. All right. Well, we're going to get into this video because I want to hear what this dude has to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. OK. I think he was oh. he went to the bathroom or something right before. So <laughs> he was walking from it. So, okay. You have to go to the bathroom. Can I please ask you to say what you said before regarding the workshop with UNM Fetal Remains with high school oh, students? I'm sorry, Richard. Yes, uh, we had a faculty member mm -hmm. who, in fact, and I'm recording. Um, 
some tissue and during one of these summer workshops uh, dissected um, uh, I think one or two fetal brains from is that from Dr. Boyd's oh I'm not sure exactly where it is. thank you and I have you recorded right you got it Okay, so what's interesting about that is he mentioned tissue at first, just tissue. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but tissue doesn't have brains, all right? right. Like, right. that baby was much older than that if its brain was somewhat developed. Right. Wow. And, and remember, I said, um, they have to record where human tissue is received from, even if it's a finger found in Wendy's chili. Right. They know where it came from. Uh, Dr. Boyd also had, um, he used uh, pictures of aborted baby eyes in textbooks. Um, he he made a lot of money, a lot of money off these babies. Sounds uh, like it. Oh, it, he's, he is a very disturbed individual. Um, you know, we, we need to, and I appreciate Mike Seibel because, I mean, he, he sees, he has seen evil incarnate in his face and yet he's like we need to pray for this guy's salvation and i'll tell you sometimes it's really hard but i'm like okay god what what a victory it would be for someone who has done what he's done that the enemy would have lost right. so, um, and i'm sure that if that happened you wouldn't hear about it no you would never hear about <laughs> right? it what i mean it's that's that's uh god's I mean, none of us. The Bible says there's none who have uh, done good. No, not even one. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, one, one sin separates us from him. And um, so that's, that's where we can, uh, that's why I'm like, okay, God, you know, I just, I just bind them to Jesus in his perfect will that all would come to repentance. Cause sometimes it's like my, you know, we want to see justice. And God, God will bring justice. He will. And, um, and because we will all, and when we face him, um, at, you know, when we meet him, we are going to be accountable for our careless words, for our actions. And, um, you know, by his grace, we bring him under the blood as, as he reveals those things to us. Right. Amen to that. It, I think there's one more topic that both of you could touch on right now. And it's the topic of rape and how a lot of times rape is uh, it cohabitates with abortion and that topic, because lots of women who are raped, obviously they, they, they're, they seek that out if they get pregnant quite a bit, you know, right. because they don't want to see the face of uh, their, what do you call it? Their perpetrator. Yeah, their the perpetrator. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to say that the Bible says that the sin of the father does not go on to the sin of the son. So that baby, if if that if a situation like that happens and you become oh, pregnant, yeah. that baby is not at fault for what the father has done and deserves just as much life and love as anybody else does, even if his father is a piece of crap. Like right. that's just how it is. You know, that right. baby does is is not going to be his father. That's not how it works. But uh, go ahead, Felicia. Yeah, so I'm a rape survivor. Um, I said on yesterday's show, and I'll say um, today's show. Um, 
I was 16 and I lost my virginity to rape and I got pregnant from it. And that's my now 20 year old, um, Ivan. Ivan will be 21 in October and he's an amazing kid. He's a freshman at UNM and he's also in the army. Um, he's doing really good for himself. Um, and, uh, you know, they say that rape is a trauma, which it is. And it doesn't make sense to me. Why would you want another trauma? Because abortion is traumatic, as you mm -hmm. probably already know. And, you know, there is a statistic. 80% of women who get raped and conceive out of it actually keep their babies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. Why? Because there's shame. No one wants to say they're raped and kept their baby because there's so much, we're in rape culture in America and um, some people disagree, but I believe we are. Um, it has to do with, um, you know, it's, it's crazy because the women who are raped, they, they feel like it's their fault. Um, you know, they're like outcast, you know, like me, I, I came out about it. Um, I think it was like eight years ago. Um, this whole time, everyone thought it was consensual, but it wasn't. Um, and it was hard on my child because he had to grow up thinking something's wrong with him. And I had to tell him when he was um, 15 or 16 years old, um, it got to the point where my son was suicidal. So I had to tell him why his dad isn't in his life. And once I told him that it lifted off of him. Now he understood why he's not in his life. I was like, a man's not going to be the life of, of the baby. If they rape the mom, that's a constant reminder of what they did. So he understood and, and it was a tough situation, but like I said, um, we're the less than 1% of abortions. So they can't say, I hate when people speak for people like me, they use mm -hmm. my situation or, you know, I have a friend from high school who, um, she got pregnant from incest, mm -hmm. you know, and they speak for people like us and they use us for their, um, justification yeah justification and their discussions and their debates and it's like don't speak for people like me because I kept my baby and I you know it was traumatic I I didn't want to see the face of my perpetrator um but I did and I kept quiet about it I I internalized it I didn't want my son to have to deal with that that's it wasn't his fault he was he was you know conceived that way, conceived that way. yeah you know I I don't like what people people call them rape babies and I don't like that word because mm -hmm. it it's really messed up to those. And I, I know you remember Marcy, um, right. when we went to um, Santa Fe, you know, there was a law that was being passed and my son actually spoke uh, to the Senate, not the Senate, the other ones, I forgot what they're called. Um, uh, the representatives. Yeah. The representatives. And he spoke publicly, you know, cause the other side, it wasn't about the law. You know, we we're trying to protect, um, you know, uh, children who are getting sexually abused um, because they, you know, in our state at the time, they can, you know, a perpetrator, a, a pimp or whatever, sex trafficker, they could bring the girls that are pregnant um, to the abortion clinics, uh, like Planned Parenthood, and they mm -hmm. would allow it. They didn't ask for right. a parent, you know, parental signature or anything like that. So we were mm -hmm. trying to fight this law too. We brought that up. But then my son also brought up, just like all of you out here, you were already born. I was born. Thank you, mom. She kept me. I'm, I was conceived out of rape. And, you know, he kind of discussed about his rights. He's like, mm -hmm. you're speaking on behalf of people like me. You're saying that I don't deserve to live. You're saying that, that I should be dead right now, but you're, you're already here. I'm already here. And he, and he spoke on behalf of babies conceived out of rape, just like him. And to see that and to hear that, like that was powerful. 
that right. was so powerful. And I'm, I'm proud of him that he did that. Right. And, and he constantly speaks for people like him, but when people speak for people like me to justify, I hate that so much because you can't speak for us, you know, and we're not the people that you can use for your debates because we're the ones that had to go through the trauma and we chose to keep our babies no matter what. And was it hard? Yes. But you know mm -hmm. what? Being 16, 17 years old, having a baby is hard anyways. So right. being raped, it, it doesn't take away anything. It just adds you know, there's trauma, obviously, I went to counseling, I did what I need to do, but I struggled just like another teen mother did, except there was trauma. But I was able to fix and have that bond with my child again through counseling. And I'm so glad I did that. I didn't really have support because I hit it. But now there's so much support for teen mothers now and for women who are raped, there's a rape crisis mm -hmm. center too. And uh, I'm just glad that now that it's being exposed even more, but like I said, the statistics are 80% of women who are raped and conceived actually keep their babies. And they want to make it seem like, though, 80% of people who are raped don't keep their babies. That's why they use it as an argument right? Yeah. to justify it, because those statistics aren't put out there for the world to see, especially if you they walk into it. an abortion clinic. You know? Right, right. One of the one of the things that they also fail to mention is um, when a woman gets pregnant because of rape. Um, it's the easy way out for the perpetrator. There's no consequences. And mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's a young girl, um, someone who is in a very vulnerable situation, she is forced back into that same relationship. Exactly. And it's the same. And, and she's not protected. And guess what? She has to shut up and have to, you have to pretend like it didn't exist. Right. Um, when I was, when I was three, I was molested by my brother, sexually molested. Uh, he was my oldest brother, about 15, no, 13 years older than I am. Um, it was, and nobody talked about it. My mom was the one who actually stopped what was going on. I remember going to the doctor, getting examined, but nobody ever talked about it. And so you you come to this point of like the cognitive dissonance you're disassociated you're you it's like you know that something's gone on that was wrong but you had no idea how to deal with it because it just was never talked about um i found out um later i, I knew that like my, my that brother had run away um probably because he didn't know what was going on and hearing the yeah. story from my dad's side before he passed he still didn't even talk about it. He didn't talk about that. All he said is that he went and picked up my brother who had gone down to Florida. And, and he said, we just didn't even talk. And, you know, because it was such a, such a difficult thing. Like, what the heck? How are you supposed to do this? Um, that, that, right. brother, that brother since passed. Um, and, um, but I was able to share with him. Um, and it, I share the gospel with him always shared with him uh his last uh the last christmas or thanksgiving that we were i think it was a thanksgiving he he asked me to pray for the meal um and i don't know what i i, I suspect that my sibling we, st we still don't talk about it it's really such a it's an awful awful thing 
But um, imagine someone being subjected to that over and over and multiple abortions. Um, at least, at least it would get discussed, and you can get that DNA and deal with that guy, you know. Right. Um, and these and these pimps, they do. They bring these young girls. Uh, the first Project Veritas video, they were they were posing as pimps, and and the abortion Planned uh, Parenthood was like, oh, you could just say that they're fourteen because that was the legal age, um, you know. But you know, again, here's here's the thing. Um, when you, uh, 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 and it's violent, and it is violent. There's no doubt about it. It was, it was never. Uh, it's a violation of a woman, and but like Felicia was saying, you were saying Felicia, um, you, you've already had one trauma. So let's say my my house burns down, my car is still out in the driveway. Uh, you wouldn't say, well, let's let's burn your car down because this is next to the trauma. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's insane. Um, my, uh, I have a sis, a step, let's see, a stepsister-in-law who, you know, she was a product, product of rape. Um, and I, my, my mother-in-law, it took her so long. She, she finally talked with us. She broke down and, and the Lord was dealing with her. Now she gave her up for adoption. You know, uh, she was young and, um, and so she, here was this dark, dark thing that she couldn't tell anybody about um, because she thought she would just be judged. And, you know, we just held her and we embraced her. We got to meet, you know, the daughter. Um, and she was like, she when she first saw us or she saw like my husband, who's her brother and the mom, she's like, oh, my nose, I have the same nose, you know? <laughs> And uh, she had never felt like she belonged. Um, it was a really precious time, you know. And we've had some you know, bumps in the road, but that's okay. But, you know, um, women who've gone through that are, are to be commended for you know, giving, the, giving that baby life. You know, a lot of times we, we, we don't, you know, like even if you have a bad roommate, you know, you can't just, most people are at least gracious enough. Okay, you got a month to get out of here. This baby's not going to be in this mama forever. It's nine months, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and there are plenty. You know, we've heard of Dr. Leventino who was performed over a thousand abortions, and he and his wife couldn't get pregnant, and they couldn't adopt because there were no babies, because he was wow. killing. You know, so um, life is life is difficult. It is it is hard. Trauma is real. Um, you know, I I can't say. Oh, just, you know, this is so easy because, you know, it's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. And there's always blessings when you do the right thing, you know? Um, and I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I've bumped into this lady. I'm sure she's a witch and I don't say that lightly, but she's like, you know, I adopted <laughs> this, this story gets bigger and bigger. Every time she talks to me, I adopted this, this, uh, baby and, uh, he turned out to be a rapist and then he did this and then this and I'm like do you think you should still be pro-life like well what how did you raise them you know right right um, it, it's just like they will they will come up with any any selection of you know well they had you know uh osteoporosis at three and then they had this and it's just like 
because life is not important to these people. The dollar bill is. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, and that's what drives them. It's true. Well, thank you, Marcy, for coming on by their fruits. We really appreciate your knowledge and wisdom on this subject okay. along with my wife. And thank you guys very yeah. much. And uh, we'll have to have you guys back on again for sure. That sounds good. Thank you so much for uh, let me uh, be a voice. And I'm, I'm just honored to be able to, you know, I, I, I consider the people that are out there 20, you know, each, each week, these guys are the heroes. Um, I, I feel like I have the easy part, even though it's, it's difficult. You get, um, you get, you know, banned or whatever. Hey, man, I'm sure. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, um, I, I, and I want to give one last shout out for the people in Edgewood, um, especially the councilman uh, Sterling Bonner, I think. Um, he was one that um, they were, they were struggling. There was a struggle of whether or not to uh, vote to be a pro-life city, a sanctuary city. And he's like, when are we going to start fighting people? Right. They're, they're not going to let go of this argument. And, and we have to start. We might as well start now. And that uh, that was the words that turned the tide. That was about 1230 in the morning. I mean, it was it was a long day, long evening. But those people. And so now and we know that they're going to push back. Um, mm -hmm. But we expect that. And so now we let us take the burn instead of the babies is what he right. said. That's mm -hmm. and that's our job. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. That's good news. That is good news. Hopefully it starts a trend. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, all it does is it takes one person to do the right thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And people with the same heart will follow. So uh, yeah. did you? do you want to close this out in prayer? Would you do the honors of that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, Father. Father, I just thank you for uh, your wonderful, wonderful gift of life. Or thank you for the these precious people. And... um. Lord, for Bud and Tara, Lord, all of the pro-life people, Lord, we ask for covering of protection over them. God, we pray that you would change the hearts of of the people that we wouldn't that they would stay absent, that they would treasure life. Lord God, we pray for finances. We pray for wisdom and uh, knowledge. Lord, I pray that you would remove those in the legislature who are against life father that that they would even have heart changes and that they would be convicted father um lord these things are impossible with man but with god all things are possible help us to be a voice for those who have no voice for those whose lives are to be crushed lord that we would stand up lord and um lord just thank you for a time to bring truth and and your word and uh we ask for new mexico to be bound we bind new mexico to you and your purposes that our laws would reflect your glory in jesus name and save these little ones in jesus name amen 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 thank you Marcy. thank you thanks so much appreciate you guys you guys are awesome Yes, God bless, and we'll uh, meet up soon here. Um, I know that you want to pick my brain a little bit about podcasting, and we'll yeah. have to get together for dinner or, or lunch Maybe. somewhere. Yeah, that sounds really good. All right, I'll, well, God bless you. You got it. Thank, take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.